Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Edwin Porras, Doctor of Physical Therapy, Medical Analyst at FantasyPoints.com. Gracias por tus oídos. I'm not going to ask you to subscribe and rate and review. I'm going to ask you to just do one of those things, please. Trying to grow this little podcast up a little bit more, take it a little bit more seriously in 2021, and any support that you can give would be fantastic. So please do one of the following. Please rate, please review, or subscribe. I'll give you a fourth option. You can also tell a friend. Tell a friend about this podcast. It's the only podcast, I think, that speaks exclusively about fantasy football and injuries. So give it a listen. Give me some feedback. Follow me on Twitter at FBInjuryDoc. Make sure you follow my written content over at FantasyPoints.com. Let's get started today. We're going to talk about Michael Thomas, Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, and a few odds and ends. So let's get started. So things got a little hectic after we talked about Cam Akers. That it's been a while, and Michael Thomas had some craziness. For those of you who are not caught up, and I know that some people still actually don't know what exactly is going on with Michael Thomas or what happened. Michael Thomas had a rupture of his deltoid ligament. It's very—I don't want to say very common, but it's not uncommon for this to happen with severe high ankle sprains. What happened is that in January he went to a specialist. The specialist recommended that he try to rest in rehab. He was not able to rest in rehab to the fullest extent. He never went back to the specialist, and he never got it checked out until he got to minicamp in June. When he got to minicamp in June, he had had no surgery. He had had no treatment other than physical therapy. And because the deltoid ligament is one of the thickest, broadest ligaments in your body, it's really difficult for it to rehab and get fixed on its own the long of it is the short and the long of it is that he did end up having surgery in june he's had one surgery in june we don't know why we don't know what the impetus was we don't know the decisions that were made leading up to this ultimate decision on surgery or why it took so long we know michael thomas has had some turmoil with the team does that have something to do with it is he disgruntled is he just not looking forward to the 2021 season was he just mismanaged? Did the medical team maybe lead him astray? We don't know. There are a ton of factors up in the air for Michael Thomas. Here's what you need to know about the surgery itself. They, it's called a fixation. They basically put the ankle back together, fixed up the deltoid ligament, and the return to play, based on this study by, I believe it's Grassy. I will pull it up. Sorry, it was actually DeHuey who put this study out. And it was in 110 professional football players from the Netherlands. And by football, they mean soccer. What they found was that it took about 103 days for these players to return after this ankle fixation back to the games. The standard deviations are 28 days. So either 103 minus 28 days or 103 plus 28 days. That's the average. We don't know what day Michael Thomas specifically had surgery. I want to make that clear. We don't know the specific day. Let's say he had the surgery on June 15th just for our fantasy football purposes. 103 days from June 15th is September 26th, 2021, which would be week three of the NFL season. If he indeed comes back on average, on the dead center average, he'll be back by week three. Again, this is assuming that the surgery was in June. Uh, Nick Underhill did confirm the surgery was in June, but we don't know the specific time. Now, that's obviously going to be either week three or it could be week seven based on averages. This is about a three to four month recovery. This is tricky. Michael Thomas didn't start on the reserve pup 
If he did, he would have had to wait the first six weeks of the season at least to come back. So now we know that the potential for him to be back before week six is possible. And if the timelines add up, he might actually be back by week six. So the target is essentially week three. That's not necessarily going to be the case. We don't know. But he could be back all the way up until week seven or eight. Even when he does come back, we don't know what he'll look like. I do think it's going to take a while for him to get his sea legs under him. I don't necessarily think he'll be able to go full force right off the bat. This is a pretty extensive procedure, and he waited pretty long to get it done. I think at this point, you cross your fingers and you hope that Michael Thomas is back before the first, before the back half of the season, but that's not a guarantee. And if he is, we don't necessarily know what he's going to look like right off the bat. I've been telling people that for me, Michael Thomas is sort of a swing for the fences for the back third of the season for the playoffs, but it depends on where he's going in your drafts. So overall, this is a super volatile situation. Michael Thomas is the last player in my wide receiver injury tiers that will be published later this week at fantasypoints.com. It is a very volatile situation. The next dude we're going to talk about here is Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is a guy who had a chronic issue and is, we're going to presume again, because this is a Schefter report, fifth metatarsal. We're going to say that it was a fifth metatarsal fracture because that's by all accounts and purposes what it sounds like. And there's not a ton of evidence for this, but there is some. And what we found here, and this is a 2012 study done by, if I can pull it up, uh, David Ritchie and colleagues, called the excision of symptomatic non-unions of proximal fifth metatarsal avulsion fractures in elite athletes close enough for our purposes. Moral of the story in the small study, I think it was only three or four patients, so take it for what it's worth. It took them about 12 weeks to return to games. Now, I don't necessarily think it'll take Carson Wentz the entire 12 weeks to return, simply because uh, I think that he's going to rehab this well. And the range that they gave for the five to 12 weeks is really wide, but we do know that based on some of the literature, the average is about 12 weeks. Now, it could be as little as six to eight weeks. Uh, specifically though, week one would be six weeks. I think that's still a little too early. Another factor to consider for the Colts is that if Carson Wentz plays, I believe it's 70% of the snaps, the conditional pick moves from a second rounder to the first rounder for the Eagles. If I have that wrong, I'm sorry, but I do know that the, the big picture takeaway is that if Carson Wentz plays enough, essentially, the Colts give away more. If I'm understanding that incorrectly, hit me up on Twitter. But that's my understanding. So what I'm trying to say here is that even if Carson Wentz is coming along nicely, um, there's no incentive to bring him back from an organizational standpoint. That's just something to consider. But we do know that the average is about 12 weeks for these. Uh, they did give the 5 to 12 week range. That's super wide. I'm not entirely sure he'll be back by week one, but I think by maybe the first quarter of the season, we might see Carson Wentz. I would just plan for, you know, roughly five or six, roughly week five or six is like worst case scenario if everything goes well for Wentz. So that is essentially what we're looking at with Wentz. This isn't something that should necessarily follow him, uh, especially if it's been going on since high school and they're finally going to get in there and take it out, take the bone out that's bothering him. Um, that's it on Carson Wentz. That offense is just an absolute crap show at this point. I'm not trusting that offense. It's really difficult to trust even Jonathan Taylor. 
However, that's the deal with Carson Wentz. I'm not too concerned with him in his future specifically, but by the time he gets back, I just don't know what that offense is going to look like. I wanted to talk about two Cowboys before we got out of here. Um, Mari Cooper dealing with a scope that was that was in January and still dealing with inflammation from it. Not ideal. Not not something you want to see. I was going to mention something about plantar fasciitis, but I'll probably get in trouble. I already got in trouble again on Twitter already. I extrapolated the fact that Amari Cooper talked about having plantar fasciitis in 2019. I discussed on Twitter that plantar fasciitis doesn't go away for a lot of people. And based on my deductive reasoning, it seems like Amari Cooper is one of those people who struggled with plantar fasciitis. Um, the puzzle piece would add up further if you consider the fact that about 89% of individuals with plantar fasciitis have bone spurs, and then you connect that to the fact that Amari Cooper had bone spurs removed, confirmed, then I drew the conclusion that Amari Cooper must suffer from plantar fasciitis associated with the pain and inflammation he was having, henceforth had the bone spurs removed. Is that a stretch? You could call it a stretch. Does it make clinical sense? Yes. Is it plausible? Yes. Do I know if I'm correct or accurate or not? No, but we never know what we're saying with these injuries. When we see somebody grab the back of their leg like Kenny Galladay did, we assume, oh, he has a hamstring strain. Their knee forced into valgus. We assume that's an MCL sprain. We make assumptions constantly, so I'm not entirely sure where this is different. If I, It's one thing to be wrong. It's another to say things in bad faith, and I definitely am not saying that. So just to clarify for everybody, I do not know if this has to do with Amari Cooper's plantar fasciitis. I'll get out in front ahead of it and say it now. However, the point remains. He has a scope that was undergone that he underwent in January. We're sitting here in August. He's still not practicing. He's got inflammation in the same ankle. He says he's working through it. At the time, I currently think it's totally plausible. I think it's totally reasonable to fade him relative to other players who are in the same tier. I would just bump Amari Cooper to the top of the next tier that you think he is in, non-injury tier that is. So I would just bump him down relative to people around him that you think are of similar talent, opportunity, etc. Dak Prescott, he's got a latissimus strain, seems not serious. He won't play in the Thursday night game, which is fine. I think he'll be ready by week one. The dude played through an AC sprain that was pretty significant at the end of 2019. If this was a game, he said that he would play. I'm not too concerned about this yet. The Cowboys are taking it conservatively. This is just seems like a workload issue. Beginning of camp, he's still getting back into the swing of things. I'm not concerned. I did mention Kenny Galladay. He suffered a hamstring strain. What it looked like, again, I'm making assumptions. And it was in camp. He walked off with the trainer, grabbed the back of his leg. We will see where that goes. He has, if it isn't a hamstring strain, he's had a little bit of an increase for re-injury in 2021. This is just isn't necessarily something that you automatically fade him for, but it is something that just makes you sort of pile on to the Giants since they've sort of been a bit of a crap show in the first few weeks of camp here. Other than that, Tyreek Hill, tendonitis or tendinopathy, whatever you want to call it, we're not too concerned yet simply because this is something that can clear up with some good eccentric work, a little bit of rest, rehab, active rest, and managing it before week one. So we're not concerned there. Matthew Stafford banged his thumb on a helmet. Not concerned there yet either. Reports are pretty mum. If there are any questions, hit me up on Twitter at FBInjuryDoc. Thanks for listening.